Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle as well as, po- as excuse me, as well as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Also, check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel. You can find us there too, as well as other content. Make sure you hit like and subscribe and fivereasonsports.com. Make sure you spell that one out. Also, check out our great sponsors. That includes our friend Mark Brown. You can find him at markbrownpa.com. That's M-A-R-C brownpa.com. You've got to go to him if you're trying to close on a property. I did this with him twice. He takes care of it for you. He does a great job. One of the times had an issue with the other side of the deal. He was calm. He was cool. He was collected. He got me all the papers. He got them to send what they were supposed to send finally. And we got the deal done. So reach out to Mark. Again, he can help you with your closing, but also he can help you with your estate plan. If you're young with a family, make sure that you reach out to him. Make sure that everything that you've made in your life goes to the people it should go to. Don't stick them in probate and all that kinds of crazy stuff. Reach out to Mark, markbrownpa.com, 954-566-5678. That's 954-566-5678. Mark's a huge Miami Heat, Miami Dolphin fan. He's based in North Lauderdale, right off of Andrews uh, and Cypress Creek, if you know that area. So reach out to Mark today, 954-566-5678. And now, today's episode. Down to this gang. Yay. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars. Wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. Impact with trust. It's power have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. We've been rotating people in here as we get ready for the season. A couple of weeks away from Heat training camp. we got Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. we got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Night off for Greg. So we've got Gad Cartagena. You can find him at, I always forget your Twitter handle. What is it, Gad Cartagena? That will be it. That'll do it. I I guess that wasn't that hard to remember. All right, so (laughs) you can find Gad there. Uh, And the three of us today, we're going to just talk about one player, and that's why Gad's here, because he is the single biggest Gabe Vincent stan in the entire network. He has been for a while. We've done uh, individual episodes on a whole bunch of people. We didn't give Gabe his own episode before. We combined him with Victor Oladipo, but we're also going to play off an article that Brady wrote for the website about how Gabe may get his shots in different places this year. Of course, Gabe is back on one of the best contracts in the league, along with Max Struess. Um, He's getting paid the minimum. Come back. This is one of those three-year deals that the Heat signed. Before last season, we were talking about Gabe as kind of a question mark. People with the Heat were telling me, don't worry about it. We feel comfortable with him. We think he can be our backup point guard. Not only was he the backup point guard, but the Heat won over 70% of their games with Gabe starting last season in place of Kyle Lowry. And as we've talked about a lot, there were really only two players who either kept their level the same or raised their level in the playoffs, him and Jimmy Butler. That was pretty much it. If you look at the stats of everybody else on the team, there was either a slight dip or in the case of like a Tyler Hero or Kyle Lowry, a significant dip. So we're going to start on the defensive end here, and then we'll deep dive on his offense and then his future but, Gad, you had some numbers on Gabe in isolation defensively in the playoffs. Go through those. Yeah, so the numbers that Gabe put up defensively in ISO in the playoffs, he it was on a minimum of 10 possessions per game because I think Kyle 
had either eight or nine possessions defended and he was at 0.57 points per game. But Gabe held defender or held offensive players to 0.59 points per possession. And that's meanwhile, he was picking up some pretty tough assignments. He had Trey Young sometimes. He had Tyrese Maxey, James Harden at times. And even in the Celtics series, he was guarding up on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So he showed you some of that defensive versatility and he did it on a playoff level, which is huge because that's what the Heat are looking for. All right, so let's get through that, Brady, because we've talked about him as a defender in concert with some of the other players we think he's going to be paired with, right? So if we're looking right now at Kyle Lowry starting and the likelihood of Tyler Hero starting, which we've discussed quite a bit here, that means you're coming off your bench with Gabe Vincent, Victor Oladipo, and Caleb Martin, right? I mean, those are, we think, I mean, unless Caleb starts, in which case then it looks a little bit different and maybe you're coming off with Duncan Robinson possibly in that slot and and a couple of others. Um, But just the pairing of Gabe and Vic, again, assuming as we all do that Gabe's coming off the bench. Yeah. I think that's the one kind of interesting aspect of this team is uh, the things they could do with this bench, because I also believe if they're going to run this lineup uh, at this current time, I believe Caitlin Martin's among that bench grouping, because uh, as I've said before, I just don't really trust that let's just say the Jimmy Caleb band pairing in the front court that I think they have to go, uh, just at least to start the year with Jimmy at the four. Um, and that's a whole <laughs> other topic, but I'll say with the, the bench unit specifically, every time Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin share the floor, and I keep talking about this over and over as well, but if they're on the floor together, they're pressing you and they're going baseline to baseline and they're going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to make sure that your first action starts in 15 seconds or 14 seconds on the clock. Uh, and if you're throwing Caleb Martin in that mix, I just don't think you want Victor Oladipo <laughs> in that pressing spot. Like, the fact that you can put both of them at the top and have Depot kind of be looming at half court and be more of that offensive juggernaut at times where he doesn't have to worry about full-on defensive capabilities and kind of just running all game. Gabe and Caleb are very comfortable with that. So, uh, And if you want to work in the fourth guy in this nine-man rotation, who I think we'll probably, we can agree we'll probably round it out, is Omer Yurtsevin. And when you want to talk about a pairing that, that fits what Omer Yurtsevin is as a, as a player, it's the lackluster kind of what is he going to be as a defender and drop and kind of figuring that out. We'll put some of the best guard defenders that can fight around screens in front of them in that drop. And then it'll all work itself out. And if you're in a two, two, one press, you're also in a two, three zone. Omer Yurtsman doesn't have to do a lot of movement. He's kind of protecting the rim and you have your guards that are doing more of the movement and containing a lot of those things. So on paper, uh, the defensive stuff is no worry. Like maybe size you're worried about. Like that's the one question mark I'll say is, uh, which zone kind of fixes that a little bit. But if you're manning up, that could be kind of the problematic feature. And I know we're talking about defense, but when you're talking about this bench unit of full-on defensive guys, other than the fact that there's going to be starters mixed into these lineups, the guy that's sitting here on the outside looking in is Duncan Robinson. If there's a spot for him to find his own, which we know Eric Spolster loves nine-man rotations, maybe he could expand it to a 10. And there's the perfect guy to kind of round out that 10. If you can add a shooter of Duncan Robinson's caliber to kind of provide the spacing on the other end of the court to kind of counter the defensive stuff. Like the bench is kind of the interesting part of this and Gabe's a big part of that. So if we look at how the rotation plays out and again, Brady's talking about Jimmy starting at the five, which means you're keeping Struess in the starting lineup, right? I mean, that, that's, that's who you, I'm sorry, he's starting at the four. That just means you, you're keeping Struess in the starting lineup, right? Yeah, that would okay. be definitely not the five. I don't want to get No, 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 no. Well, I mean, <laughs> at, at this point, who knows? He and might everybody- be. Yeah. I mean, I was I was looking because today is Jimmy's 33rd birthday and I posted some stats about Jimmy, how I mean, nobody uh, older than him outscored him in the playoffs last year on average. And he was actually fourth 
Only three players older than him outscored, four players outscored him in the regular season who were older, uh, which was a pretty good list. LeBron, Durant, Harden, and Curry. Um, and that's where Jimmy is a player. But under every Jimmy post today, even the one where the Heat were wishing him a happy birthday, they were like, did you give him some help as a gift? Did you get him a four so he doesn't have to play four? That's what we're going to be hearing about up through training camp and into the season. It's clear. But let's just say Jimmy does start at the four. Then you're looking at Struess as a starter. Alex, what's interesting to me is that Gabe pairs really well with a bunch of the different guards. Um, I, you know, we, we, we looked at the Lowry numbers last year and there was a natural fit between the two of them playing minutes together. I think at times Gabe and Tyler played pretty well together. You know that Gabe has a connection with Max. That's like, that's like his closest friend, you know, well, he's, he's close with Bam too, but it's like his closest friend on the team. Um, who do you think he'll play less with this year as a result of the role changes? Because he, he didn't play a lot with Vic last year, but we're saying he's going to play a lot with Vic. No, he's definitely going to play a whole lot with Vic. I think that's going to be his backcourt partner on a lot of nights. I mean, obviously, he's going to play with a lot of different lineups like Spo has already used him in since last season. I just think uh, that's going to be his main backcourt partner. And as a result, I'm thinking – um, less of him and Jimmy probably, if I had to guess, but maybe not. I think J when you're getting Jimmy at the four, you're probably going to see them more often to get together. But if you're talking about just on a regular season night, um, I'm expecting Vic and Jimmy to not play together a whole lot, maybe for short bursts here and there, because I, I think some of the stuff they do, like they kind of replicate each other's skill set wise as far as what you want them doing, right? It's like getting downhill. And I think like, for example, Vic and Bam is a combo I've talked about wanting to see a lot more of because I think they have a natural pick and roll chemistry and, and Vic has has shown that here and there when he's had those opportunities. So I just think it's going to be about um, Vic and Gabe progressing in those backup backcourt roles. And look, man, like I've been looking up more Gabe numbers as you guys have been talking here and it's just crazy. Like him and Max were so good during the playoffs. They were both uh, when you look at their plus minus, and I know individual plus minus is not the best barometer, but when you look at it for just the whole playoffs, right? Like Max and Gabe had uh, were in the top four in individual plus minus, right? And then when you look at actual um, on-off data from PBP stats, shout out to them. I, I've been using them for a while. Um, like in the playoffs, they had a net rating of 9.46 when Gabe Vincent was on the floor and negative one point something without him which was the third biggest uh, margin on off wise behind Jimmy and Bam. And I know we talked about that before, but it's just insane. Like how good he was, despite the fact that when you go look at his shooting numbers in the playoffs, like I'm looking at him here right now, like he shot 38% from the field. He shot 31% from three. Yeah. They were way better with him uh, on the floor in the playoffs and they weren't in the regular season. Like when he was shooting really well, Right. Like I thought he had a great regular season, like showed uh, a lot of steps confidence wise, uh, just taking more of the shots that I think we knew he can take taking more pull ups. I think he had a smoother looking game in the regular season, even than he did in the playoffs. But impact wise, he had a better playoffs than he did regular season. So I think like there's all of this just shows that there's upside for Gabe to. Uh, kind of grow in that role that we're talking about. Well, doesn't that speak add to the defense primarily? I would think because we're, we're going to hit the offense here in the next in the next section. But I mean, if if his offensive metrics or some of the metrics, the shooting metrics were down, you're talking about the game slowing down in the playoffs. It, it felt like even though he can play fast, that that actually suits him because in some ways he, he 
because he is such a good, he's so good on the ball that he, he essentially forces teams to get into their offense later because they can't, they can't get into their sets right away because he's pressuring it. But he also didn't have Caleb with him a lot in the playoffs, not like he did in the regular season, right? Like, cause I mean, Caleb's numbers were way down. So a lot of it, he was doing on his own. Yeah, it was a byproduct of he was playing with Jimmy and Bam. And when you get a really good point of attack defender with those two, I mean, that is just going to wreak havoc for almost any other offense. And they were flattening out a lot of offenses. Trey Young was struggling to really get the ball anywhere inside the paint against the Heat. And that continued against the Sixers once Gabe understood how to play Tyrese Maxey's speed. So the little things that he does, I think, is one of the reasons why he's such an impactful player. Like you talk about P.J. Tucker being the consummate Heat player and someone who just does all the little things, does the dirty work. Gabe kind of does that from the guard spot. And I think that's something that's going to be very beneficial moving forward because they need someone to do that dirty work. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into the offensive stuff through Brady's article and sort of where Gabe may get his shots. And then part three tonight, I want to get into the future here because there's some interesting contractual decisions. If we had Greg here, we would play into it even more uh, that may need to be made here over the next year. Before we do, I want to tell you about our gambling partner and our fantasy partner. Our gambling partner is betteredge.com. Use the code. Well, you don't have to, you can use the code 5RSN, but we're going to send you directly the link. It's betteredge with an O, betteredge.com backslash 5RSN. If you go there, you get $20 to play. We've got contests going on here before the Thursday night games. Um, and also you can get uh, you, you can not just the contest, but you can find the line you want. This is what makes it different from the other apps. This is not actually an app. Just go to betteredge.com. You can do it right there on the web, betteredge.com backslash 5RSN. And again, you can find the line you want because this is peer-to-peer betting. You're not betting against the book. You're betting against others who are on there. And so it's like betting against your friends. Hey, I like the Dolphins minus two and a half. I like the minus five and a half. This is what I'm willing to pay. This is what I'm willing to try to get. So go to betteredge.com backslash 5RSN. You get $20 to play. And of course, we always tell you about our fantasy sponsor. That's prizepicks.com. You can get that on the Google Play Store, the App Store, or at prizepicks.com directly. If you use the code 5 there, that's F-I-V-E, F-I-V-E, you will get your initial deposit matched up to $100. This was just rated the number one fastest growing sports product in the country in 2021. Find out why. We've added about 30 uh, new signups here for the NFL in the past couple of weeks. And of course, we're going to be doing the NBA stuff with special shows. So prize picks, use the code 5, F-I-V-E, betteredge.com backslash 5RSN, number 5RSN to get $20 to play. All right, let's get into Brady's article. And, and what you were getting to, I think, in there was not so much that he's going to get more shots. It's that he's going to get different kind of shots this year, right? Yeah, which is, it's just totally different. I feel like from all the different players we've discussed over and over on the roster, like there's certain players that are in his range on this roster that we go through, like doors have opened for them in terms of heading into next season. Like Max Struess is still going to have a shot at the starting lineup. Like nothing's changed there. He still has an opening sitting in front of him and sitting in front of him. You go down to Caleb Martin. He has a very open door in front of him with the four whole load, the four in the roster. And then you go on to Omer Yurtsman, who now has a chance at being this team's kind of permanent backup big. And it's just constant going down the roster. There's just doors opening for these guys. And then you stop at Gabe Vincent. You say, well, nothing's really changed. Like, it's just pretty much is what it is. We know what his role is. It's pretty much going to be the same spot that he was in last season because uh, the guard room in general is just so packed. And you're not taking out Kyle Lowry or, or Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo is fighting for those spots. Uh, so then it turns to this is that you basically swapped out PJ Tucker for Victor Oladipo. And the point I keep coming back to is somebody's shots are declining. 
Like that's where it comes down to. Like th- those two players are not similar at all. Victor Oladipo is going to have a high usage rate. He's going to get shots up. So whose shots are going to be declining? The thing about that is simultaneously, as Gabe Vincent's progressing, his shots are not going to be increasing. Like his role is similar. He may have to do different things, but he is not going to be one of those guys that sees a kind of a shot increase. So it just makes you think, what is the difference? Like, what does he do from here? Because uh, when you think about it, other than just, he mentioned something on a recent interview uh, where he talked about just trying to be more efficient. That's something he's talked about for a while. And it's something every NBA player talks about. Of course you want to be more efficient, but other than that, it feels like the way to maximize your own shot attempts is to spread it correctly. Like the fact that you can mix it up in a way where you feel comfortable with this spot on the floor, you feel comfortable with this spot on the floor. So if you're going to get this many shots, you better maximize those shots. Uh, So then I was looking into kind of the three levels of the court where uh, he became a pretty very good three level scorer in general. Like if you think about the three levels of the court and he excelled in all three of them, even in the, in down to the postseason, all the points you guys have been making about, him just kind of kind of up rising his game rising in the postseason. Uh, we start with the first level of the court, and I was looking into it. And it was twenty one percent of his field goals came from less than ten feet from the basket. That was a bit surprising for me. I don't know if that's surprising for all of you guys, but it was a bit surprising for me because it just feels like a guy that has the ball in his hands so much and is running so many pick and rolls would have that number be higher. And I, he's a very good finisher around the rim. I feel like they feel comfortable with him in those spots. He became a very good decision maker, but the fact that if there's a spot to increase, I guess, in his shot chart, it feels like that would probably be the one, like try to get to the rim a little bit more. But then you could simultaneously say he's going to be in a lineup next to Victor Oladipo or let's just say even Tyler Hero. He's not going to have the ball in his hands, I don't think, as much as he did last season. Like I believe last year at this time when we were probably having podcasts about Gabe Vincent, we were talking about him becoming an on-ball player. Could he become a solid point guard off the bench to be able to run offense? He did just that. And now we're talking about him reverting back to his old ways of being an off-ball player, which he did as well this season, and he's a very good off-ball player. But I feel like they're just going to have to tend into, like, kind of lean into that a little bit more. Uh, the fact that he went from an under 30% shooter on spot-up threes in his sophomore season to now this past season he shot 39% on spot-up triples is, like, it's insane. Like, the fact that he can make that jump, he talked about kind of tweaking his jumper, and that kind of came into fruition. And then the last part of this is – this is the other part that I think they're going to have to feed into, and it's going to probably be in different elements. It's not going to be as many pick and rolls getting into it, but his, his kind of mid-range pull-up, it feels like any guard that he develop is going to ha- be a drop killer. Like We have to accept that by now because we go through the list of just recent memory. Every guy is able to kind of maximize them against drop. Gabe was shooting 43% on midi pull-ups in the regular season, and to all of y'all's point, once again, on him rising in the postseason, that went up to 46% in the playoffs. Like, even when teams are kind of scheming to kind of get them out and edging over and not allow you to get to your spots to shoot 46% on those kind of mid range pull-ups is just pretty insane in general. So it's just more about, I think we see a similar role for him, but I just think we just see more in certain areas that we didn't see last season, like more of the stuff at the rim, maybe more off the catch than that. We'll probably see a slight decline on the pull-up threes, because I just don't think he'll have as many of those opportunities, uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like, I think this is a good thing. I think this is stuff that kind of he's done well his entire life. Like the, the stuff he was doing last year is stuff he just picked up on in the past year. Now he gets to do the stuff he's been doing his entire life of shooting off the catch and playing this type of role. So it'll be interesting. It's not really something that he's going to have to adjust to, in my opinion. So 
if they could just spread it out in that way for him, which they're probably doing this entire offseason, they're preparing him for this role. He knows the role that he has, the guys he's going to be playing next to. So that's what I guess what makes this so intriguing. Well, and Spolcher spoke to that specifically, right? I mean, that that was the transition because Gabe was not used to playing on the ball. He'd always been a scorer. He's a scorer at, at, in college. He was a scorer in the G League. Um, yeah, but when, when you look again at, at the development that he needs to make now offensively to adjust back to this role, because he's, look, if he's going to play, it feels to me like every guard that the Heat end up with, they turn into a combo guard anyway. Like, I mean, that's kind of part of the deal. I mean, they, you talk about pure point guards. There was one who was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. There haven't been a hell of a lot since. I mean, Goron was not a pure point. Rio was not a pure point. I mean, he could do it, but he came in and honestly, he, he played on and off the ball at Kansas. And his first year was developing him into a point guard. Norris, who's on our network, and congratulations to Norris for his role with Team USA. And he's going to be back with us again soon. I mean, Norris, at, he was a big time scorer at Cleveland State came here and they kind of, they wanted the ball in his hands as a point guard most of the time, but he and he and Rio were both playing off of LeBron and Dwayne who were handling. You didn't have point guards for years because Dwayne was essentially the de facto point guard. And so was LeBron. Right. So, I, I mean, it wouldn't seem difficult for somebody like Gabe who has been a two guard essentially to go back to, you know, catch and shoots and playing off the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that Gabe is probably going to be comfortable leaning into to begin with. And you go back to his G League stats. When he won G League Most Improved Player with the Stockton Kings, he was shooting 10 threes a game. He shot 323s in 31 games. He's going to lean into that. And he shot 40% in that time frame as well. So I think him leaning into being more of a guy who, like Brady said, attacks off the catch, uh, either having a quick trigger on catch and shoot or being the antithesis of a specialist and being someone who can actually create once they get that catch and shoot, sloppy closeout, attack that, and then attack advantages in, in that regard in the half court. So I think the versatility that Gabe has gives me confidence in terms of him maximizing this role and being more efficient. Um, but to Brady's point, you really just want to see him find spots that he's most comfortable with. And if he can find a way to get to the rim, that'll be huge. He's been one of the players that he doesn't get sped up much in pick and roll, but there's times where he's going at his own pace. And sometimes he's going so slowly where it's really hard to then get a step on a big or a wing who's guarding him in the pick and roll to get to the rim. So I think quicker decision-making can help with that. But I mean, I think he's going to have to lean into three-point shooting a lot. Like he might, him and Kyle Lowry both, I think are going to end up taking more threes than most people anticipate. All right. I'm going to save the harder question for Alex because I always do that. We're going to do that after the break. Trying to hold uh, me accountable? Yes, I have to hold you accountable. So I'm going, to, I'm going to save that one for you afterwards. Do you want to tell you about one more sponsor here? Our friends are at Therapist Preferred. Use code 5RSN. You get 25% off the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies for recovery, for sleep, and all that good stuff. Go to therapistpreferred.com. Use the code 5RSN. All right, I gave you time to recover, um, or I'm going to give you time to recover after this. But let me just ask you this question. Uh, it's pretty clear, obviously, that Kyle Lowry needs to, needs to return to form for this team as a starter. Okay. They're paying him almost $30 million. Um, he had good moments. We've talked about it. Obviously he went through a lot last, last season uh, with the personal issues and then came back, was kind of out of shape, got hurt in the playoffs. We know he's trying to get in better shape that Pat, Pat is holding him accountable this off season, which did not happen last off season and this season, but I fully expect Kyle Lowry to play fewer than 60 games. I, I just think that's where we're at right now. I, you know, and Honestly, I don't think Jimmy's ever going to play 70 again, ever. I, I think we're, we're looking at two guys. 
I was, you know, I, I tweeted this out today. Their Hall of Fame probability scores, since we know Dwayne's going in next year to follow Hardaway this year. You know, Kyle Lowry's at 86% and Jimmy's at 71%, and that's growing. So he'd have two Hall of Famers there that they essentially have to, you know, nurse here to a certain degree to, to get them to the end of their careers in the best possible shape. So I think Gabe's going to start 25 to 30 games this year, which changes who he plays with a little bit too, because I, he'll play with I, Tyler starting. He's played with Tyler. If Max is still starting in either with Tyler, or without Tyler, he's going to play with Max. But let me just ask you this question. When you've got one guy who's making close to 30, you got another guy who's making 1.5, right? So 20 million, 20 times. Okay. Are we possibly looking at a changing of the guard season here where, where he, he he's not going to become the starter this year, but he's going to essentially be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, number two quarterback, essentially. He's going to play a lot. Okay. Could we be looking at a situation where the year after this one, Gabe Vincent is a starting point guard? I mean, the fact that, I mean, first of all, I'm going to give you some credit here. You are such a, a pro with this stuff. The fact that you, how, how you were able to bring in like the, the football conversation into this like that. i mean i need people to sign up for prize picks with a code five until the basketball season starts so i got to do something classic football conversation of having a quarterback competition that's just, that's what you did like you just did the quarterback competition thing but with the e and, and it's interesting especially because you framed it around like their contracts and like i said look i think it's good that you asked me that question because you kind of putting me on the spot to answer this when the last thing I did was talk about how impact wise, he was their third or fourth best player. When you look at it in the playoffs, meaning that he was better than Kyle, right. Uh, impact wise. Not that I think that he's a better player than Kyle overall, but just what happened in the playoffs. We know that Kyle was hurt. We know the, you know, the context, but that was what happened. That was the last thing that we saw. Right. So I get it. I think at some point, I don't, you know, I don't have his contract situation in front of me. I think the Heat will take care of him, just like I think the Heat will take care of Max. I think they've earned it. Like they have grown every season they've been here, especially this past season, just went from, you know, like guys that you weren't, um, you didn't mind seeing in the rotation to, okay, these are some of your more reliable rotation players. And I know that everybody's shooting kind of fell off in the playoffs for the Heat, other than Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> And uh, PJ in the corners, but really, I, I just think like Gabe on the ball showed a lot of growth. I think uh, if he keeps on with that trajectory, right? Like if he takes another, if he takes marginal steps on some of these same things he's already shown and just goes up another level, a slight level there. Like I, I think it could get awkward if Kyle doesn't show some stuff specifically in the playoffs. Cause I think that's when some of these questions will be answered again, right? Like if both guys are healthy, I want to see who's more impactful on the floor because I think that would actually fo uh, force Spo into kind of a tough decision there. Now, I think Kyle is going to be the guy by default, but I think Gabe is one of those things. It's one of those things where you kind of have to pick one or the other. I, I know they play pretty well together. I don't think Spo would play both of them together in the playoffs against some of the better teams, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong there. I just think Gabe um, in that role that he's in, has more upside for growth there and, and all the indicators are are very green yeah i use uh my neighbor is kind of my gauge on this okay he's uh he's, he's he's not a big twitter guy but he listens to five on the floor he lives next door he's actually very close friends with uh someone who works for the heat okay so he follows every episode he thinks gabe vincent is better than kyle lowry right now 
Like I, I have this conversation with him all the time in the hallway. Okay. And I, I know that, you know, with, with Kyle, a lot of it was intangibles last year. Right. So, I mean, and, and him carrying the team again with stretches without Jimmy and Bam and even Tyler and others and him stepping up, but for, for the, for the heat fan, because I know you're a Gabe Stan, so this may be a difficult question for you to answer, but like, I, what is it that Kyle's providing right now that Gabe can't? I guess now, not that Gabe didn't, but that Gabe can't provide. Uh, that can't provide. I'm gonna go with playmaking. I think Kyle is still a wizard of a playmaker. He's a really, really precise passer. Um, I think that's something that he's really, really good at. But in almost every other facet, they're either similar or there's some aspects where Gabe might be better, Kyle might be a little bit better. But I want to say playmaking and uh, passing overall intangible in terms of being a floor general as well but playmaking and passing is what i'd go with brady what would you go with right now i'd say other than the playmaking i would say to answer your question the overall control because if i was to ask you who do you want on the floor with two minutes left in a tie game you're going to pick kyle lowry because you just trust what he can do at this stage so i think if there's anything and that's a big aspect because i remember points in the regular season we'd have podcasts where we said Kyle Lowry was out, and if they had him, then things would have been so much more under control when Gabe Vincent was one of the people on the floor in those games. And I know he kind of developed late in the season to become much better, but that's a big aspect of this just in general. Like, I hate coming back to the other thing, but I know this is a Gabe Vincent pod, but the, the Kyle Lowry in game six, <laughs> that, that Boston series, like everybody, I know nobody wants to talk about it because of the poor kind of play before that and after that, but that was like what you want from him. Like the fact that he's going to take those shots and also just be under control because everybody feels a lot better when Kyle's on the floor in general. So I just, I think control is the biggest thing. And if like to answer your question, I guess of after the season kind of going forward, if Gabe can get to semi that point, which is harder to say because we're literally just discussing the fact that we think he's moving off the ball slightly. Like he's still going to get on ball reps, but he's moving off the ball slightly. Now, if Kyle's missing a lot of time and now he's plugged into the starting lineup, then we can make that decision. But for now, they're in slightly different roles, I guess, heading into next season when you think about it like that. It's not like inserting one for one, I guess, like it was last year. All right, a couple things on this to close, okay? The first thing is the reason I'm bringing up Kyle's contract is not for this year, okay? He's not being moved this year. But when you go to the year after and it becomes expiring and then we're talking about having to pay Max, potentially, having to pay Gabe, potentially, Jimmy's contract still being significant. Bam's contract still being significant. Tyler's contract, because we're still expecting the extension, being significant. Regardless of what they do with Duncan, you are looking at serious luxury tax issues potentially. And that's why I'm saying if you have a player who you could even re-sign for, say, $12 million a year, right? I mean, they gave Caleb, what, what did Caleb just get uh, three for, I forgot what the number is, but considerably less than that. But you're talking about as a sort of st young starting point guard in the league, getting about a dozen million per year, about 12 million per year. It's a lot less that you're saving from a luxury tax. It's a lot more you're saving from a luxury tax perspective. Brady, go, go in. And then I got one more point. I want to ask you a question real quick, because you talk about Gabe. Do you not think he's going to get paid by another team potentially? Because he's the type of build yeah. that teams like. Like he's the yeah. team. He's a two-way guard that has potential offensively. Like that's just. Is there well, one of those low-level teams well, that you think? 
it's a little bit of a catch 22 with this because other teams like heat players because they're disciplined and all the rest of it, but also other teams have been burned by former heat players because they don't perform as well when they leave Miami. But I think that Gabe has the kind of makeup that I don't think that would be a concern as opposed to some of the others. Okay. That they've, they've let go. Um, so I, I think there would be serious interest in him as a young developing kind of, you know, point guard that, that somebody thinks could maybe elevate to a top 15 point guard in the league, potentially. I, I, I think that there would be serious interest. Look, the Heat took care of Caleb in part because they thought there would be serious interest. They, they've talked to me this offseason that we're not making enough of that re-signing, that that was a difficult re-signing for them and a player that they wanted back. So I think they would look at Gabe even more so because Gabe plays a more important position. And if you can get a player for below what you typically have to pay at that position, that's really good value. But the other point I want to make before we close is this, because you hit on it, Brady, and I think this is the biggest issue. We talked about them missing Kyle because Jimmy did too much at the end of those games. That, that, that's why we talked about it so much. We, we, we were, when we were talking about they didn't have Kyle tonight, it was usually a night that Jimmy kind of dominated the ball in the last three minutes, pounded it, and took a bad shot at the end. To me, the single biggest thing that Gabe Vincent needs to do to get more minutes and more crunch time minutes in this team, and I know that he and Jimmy have a good relationship, okay? So it's not about that. He's got to earn Jimmy's trust at the end of games to be a guy to take over. Because I, because Kyle has it, right? I mean, that's friendship, and that's Hall of Fame pedigree, and that's, you know, that's, because, that's championship Kyle Lowry, right? I think if Gabe gets that then I do think you're going to ramp up to maybe where Gabe potentially becomes the starting point guard a year after this. That, that's the single most important thing on this team because for him, because the, the relationship with Bam, we know it, right? Like you see them before every game, they're lock arms and all the rest of this. He has a good relationship with Jimmy, but it's different to have a relationship and a friendship with Jimmy and to earn Jimmy's trust as a dog down the stretch of games. He's seen it with Kyle. If he starts to see it with Gabe and you, you saw it with Goron in the playoffs, right? He starts to see it with with uh, with Gabe. I, I think that that's the single biggest thing. I think that uh, you saw Max win over Jimmy, right? And that's a big reason Max was playing ahead of Duncan. I I, I feel like you know he's not going to push Kyle aside, but I feel like uh, Gabe can earn that this year. All right, since since Gad is the, the guest today, you can follow him at Gad Carnahana. I'll just let you finish with this. You got thirty seconds to give me Gabe Vincent propaganda before we close. Gabe Vincent, listen. Trey Young gave you all the propaganda you needed to hear. They left him out of the Eastern Conference Finals graphic, and Trey Young told the NBA to put him in the graphic because he earned his respect. That is ascending young offensive superstar Trey Young giving minimum contract Gabe Vincent the respect that he deserves from all of Heat Nation. So that's all you need to know. Wow, and out in 30 seconds. Look at that. You saw the clock, and, and you got the shot up. All right, thanks to, thanks to Gad. Thanks to Alex. You can follow the Tropical Blanket. Thanks to Brady. Read Brady's article on the website. Thanks to our sponsors, markbrownpa.com. Prize pictures use the code 5FIBE, betteredge.com backslash 5RSN. And therapist preferred, use the code 5RSN. Also, check out the latest episode. We're going around the East. So check out the episode, uh, the Toronto Raptors episode with Toronto Raptors Stan Giancarlo Navis. That's on the site, right? Uh, that's on all our channels right now. We will be previewing Milwaukee, Brooklyn. Uh, Boston, maybe Atlanta, um, and probably Cleveland uh, before we go fo- before uh, media day comes up in about a week and a half. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.